Well, we're going to uh, move off into the many ways that God speaks, and we're going to go ahead and deal with bodily impressions. Okay? Bodily impressions, we're going to be pulling from Luke chapter number 8. That's Luke. Some people call him St. Luke. It's the third book in the New Testament. And whether it's Luke or St. Luke, it's still Luke. Luke chapter number 8. We're going to start in verse number 40. Praise God. When you got it, just say amen. Um, Luke chapter 8, 8 verse 40. It says, And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. That's just like the Lord. Praise God. And behold, there came a man named Jairus. He was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into the house, for he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a dying. Now, <clears throat> now, we're going to talk about hearing the voice of God, but I can't help but bring this out. The Bible says that when it came to pass, that when Jesus was returned, that the people gladly did what? Received him. Now, when it comes to receiving from God, whether it's strictly by faith and you releasing your faith in God, or whether it is through a particular person that God has grace, equipped or anointed in a particular area, like you may go to some of you, um, we know that people have different graces, different callings, and different anointings on their life. Okay? Well, one of the ways to position yourself to receive what heaven has for you is to learn how to gladly receive. Okay? And if you look at what they did to Jesus, the Bible says that the people gladly received him. Okay? Now, some people are received. Some people are tolerated. Okay? Some people are received grudgingly, and then there's gladly received. So it seems like that the proper state of the heart and mind to really uh, position yourself for the miraculous or for a divine visitation and encounter from God is we have to gladly receive. It says, for they were all doing what? Waiting for him. Okay? Another key word, being patient. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the Jews, and he fell down at Jesus' feet. So here's the picture right here, y'all. People are already sitting right there waiting for Jesus because they didn't heard about him being able to perform miracles and stuff, and they've been waiting a long time. And they gla- and they see him coming, and now they're getting happy. They're cheering and everything, and they can't wait to talk to him. You know, they don't want to want to really bum rush the master, and they see him walking slowly and everything, but they're excited, you know. And they've been waiting that entire time, and here comes Jairus with himself, and he's going to come bust it all up and fall down at the master's feet, you know. <laughs> so what goes on is that, you know, the people on the outside are like, man, here he go, you know. We've been waiting all this time, and here he go. And But we see J.R. is humbling himself, and we see him falling down at the master's feet. And the Bible went on to say, and he besought him that he would come into his house, for he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a-dying. And the Bible says this right here. But as he went, the people thronged him. So he's headed to Jairus' house to minister to his daughter, who is on her deathbed, and she's dying. Now, I want you to see this because you got to pull from three different directions on Jesus. you got the people that are already there waiting that are gladly receiving them, okay? And then you got J.R.S. who just went and bust all that up and interrupted the crowd and stole the Lord's attention by falling at his feet and telling him, look, Master, my daughter is at home sick and she's about to die. So Jesus turned around to lead the people that are all sitting right there waiting. And he's about to head to Jairus' house. Okay? But while he's walking with Jairus, the people start grabbing on him, thronging him. They're so desperate for the kingdom. They're so desperate for healing. They're so desperate for deliverance and for breakthrough that they just start thronging him and grabbing on him and pulling on him. 
And look at what verse 43 says. And a woman having an issue of blood. Woman having an issue of blood, 12 years, which has spent all her living upon physicians. Praise God. And it, it went on to say that neither could be healed of any came behind her. Okay? Now, there comes a point when physicians, we thank God for doctors. We don't ever want to not doctors because doctors have helped a lot of people you know, recover from from a lot of things. And, you know, I know that, you know, God uses the aid sometimes of, of human hands, you know, to help people. But there are certain cases where it gets to a point where physicians and doctors have done all that they can do. Okay? And this is where this woman was. This woman had this issue of blood for 12 years. And another account said that she spent all she had and her condition grew worse. Okay. And the Bible says, neither could she be healed of any. But she came behind, and look at what the Bible says, and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood was stopped or staunched. Okay. And what did Jesus say in verse 45? And Jesus said what? Praise God. That's right. Who touched me? Praise God. Who is the one that touched me? That's right. Who is the one that touched me? And the Bible says when all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thrown thee and pressed thee and says thou who touched me. Verse 46 is what we're hanging our hand on. And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me. For I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. Okay? Now, we're talking about bodily um, impression. Okay? Now, when you look up this word in this particular text right here, perceive that virtue has gone out of me, it's implying a bodily or a sense of physical life force or energy or strength leaving his body, and he felt it. In other words, everyone was touching him, but there was a touch of faith okay, that set that person apart from everybody else. Everybody else was, was, was naturally touching him, and wasn't nothing happening. They were throwing him, but nothing was happening. But there was one particular person that reached out in faith and touched him. So it wasn't just her natural hands, but it was her heart. And as a result, when she touched him, Jesus felt life leave his body. He felt virtue leave his body. Okay? Say that with me, virtue. 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 Okay. Virtue. Let me ask you this, because I guarantee that you've experienced this at some point. Have you ever prayed for someone or laid hands on someone and you felt something leaving you going into them. Anybody? Yes. 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 Okay. Well, that's what the Bible calls virtue. Okay. That's virtue. In other words, that's God's life and God's power leaving you as a vessel and going into that person. And the only way that virtue or life force can be translated, kingdom life, the God kind of life, his divine nature, is through the release of faith. So anytime there's a transfer of virtue from one person to another or from God to man or from um, God through man to man, then faith is present. Okay? Amen? Amen. Amen. So when he says, I perceive that virtue has gone out of me, he felt it in his physical body, okay, in his physical body. Okay. Now I want to talk to you about bodily impressions um, because bodily impressions are very, very powerful. They're very common. And um, 
And I believe that they happen more than we, we really realize, especially to those who flow in the ministry of healing or those who have a healing ministry. Okay? Bodily impressions, um, let me explain to you how they work. Okay? You may be moving about alone, going by someone, and and what you do is you get a um, you get a pain in a particular area, and you may feel a throbbing. You may feel a a, a sharp pain in your rib. You may feel a burning sensation in a particular area. In other words, there's a shift in your in in your body. Now. What God will do is he will allow you to pick up the ailments, the pains, and the conditions of others by allowing you yourself to feel it. I'll say this again. Everything that you feel as a prophetic person and as a person who is able to flow and walk in bodily impressions, everything that you feel does not have to do with you specifically. Okay. God will allow you to feel for the sake of someone else. So it could be that you're going to the doctor trying to treat bodily impressions because you hadn't been taught how to recognize them and how to use them as launching pads to release the healing power of God into people's life. So bodily impressions for us as believers, they become indicators. But what it takes, it takes a renewed mind, and it takes an understanding of the operations of God's spirit, and it takes... um, it takes faith in order to, to actually flow in these and to utilize these. We saw a bodily impression, I think, this weekend. I was with we had company, and I was sitting, uh, sitting with two people, and one of the, um, in a situation, you know, someone got up and wasn't feeling too well and went to the restroom, went to the bathroom, and... Um, and all of a sudden, um, you know, I was talking to somebody else, and they said that, you know, I just felt nauseous all of a sudden. You know, I wonder if that's it, if that's what's going on, and just came out of nowhere. And come to find out when the person came back, that's exactly the symptoms that they were going through. What was that? That was an, a bodily impression. So what we got to do is, the first thing that we have to do to be able to flow and bother the impressions is that we have to we have to know our stuff when it comes to healing. We have to be walking in the confidence ourselves of divine health because we need to know what's us and what's the other person. Brother Corey, I have a question. Okay. Is there a way to determine like how how do you know if um, if you're having a bodily impression of someone else's pain or if it's an attack because I've experienced both and sometimes I find it difficult to distinguish if it's someone else's pain or if it's the enemy trying to attack me uh, physically. Well, bodily impressions come from the Holy Spirit. And so when you're, when you're flowing in bodily impressions, there will always be that signature of his presence behind it. And there will also be a peace there. Okay. okay. If it's an attack, then that won't be present. And so oftentimes if we look a little deeper, not just beyond the feelings, there are times when we can still sense his presence. I still gave you all the testimony of, uh, of when... Um, well, I think I shared it once, but when I was at um, Draper and the guy, the prophet came up there and telling me to um, release 
And he said the Lord asked him how much did he love the pastor, and he asked if he would take, you know, a part of his album. But anyway, um, but even in that, there was a release of God's presence with it, you know. Bodily impressions oftentimes come with sensations. And here's the thing. With everyone, they're different. So you have to learn. You can't, you can't take somebody else's impressions to try to pattern yours behind. You have to cultivate the sensitivity of the spirit um, and how he operates or flows through you in your personal life and learn to embrace it. Okay? Testimonies can build confidence, but you have to find your individual unique expression through your relationship with God. Does that make sense? Okay. Because no one's no one's flow will be just like another person's flow. No one's operation in the spirit and how they operate and how God wants to use them will directly pattern the next person. We're all different, even in Christ. Okay? And God will, God will, God's desire is to flow and to operate through individuals uniquely. And so what we have to do, we have to learn how to pick up. In other words, we build faith and understanding through testimony and teachings of others, and we embrace those things that are alike, but we don't allow what we embrace that are alike in the lives of others to narrow us in to God's creativity and a unique way that he wants to use us solely for his purpose. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. In other words, you're not going to find a book or there's, there's no shortcut around intimacy, spending time with the Holy Spirit, learning him and learning you. Because there's going to be something in all of our lives in a way that God wants to use us that are solely distinct to us. Praise God. That's just, you know, how he is and how he operates. And let me show you this about healing. Some, some of your healing ministries are, are like this, you know. Miracles are not so much as about how holy we are, how much faith, but it's our sensitivity to him and our willingness to be obedient to his voice. So my point is, is that when there is a, a bodily impression given for an ailment, okay, you're, I've seen bodily impressions. I've seen headaches picked up through bodily impressions. I've seen toothaches. I've seen uh, uh, back aches, joints. I've seen internal things picked up through bodily impressions. I've seen, you know, life-threatening things picked up through physical impressions, okay? But here's the thing, y'all. There has not been one time that I have seen a bodily impression called out and someone respond that those people were not instantly healed. Okay? I've never seen it. Anytime God reveals something along this line about the, the condition of another person, it is because he has already desired and intended, purposed in his heart, to heal that person. So bodily impressions, they don't come just for the sake of information or just for the sake of knowing or just for the sake of saying, hey, I know what's going on with such and such. But no, bodily impressions become a gateway for healing and deliverance for people. Okay. You know with me? Okay. What does it take to, to flow? It, it takes, a, you know, it takes... Since it takes, first of all, realizing that, hey, well, you're going to have to help me distinguish from, uh, listen, you ever, you ever went around someone and, and picked up a heaviness around them? Mm-hmm. How did you pick it up? It made you feel what? Heavy. How from you picked the Holy it up? Spirit. That's right. From the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Now, there are bodily impressions, listen, y'all, that will, that will reveal people's condition, people's healing, okay? But then there are also other impressions that have nothing to do with healing. 
There are certain physical and bodily impressions that can be markers connected to your spiritual giftings. For any instance, with me, okay, when there is, when my discernment kicks in or when my spirit is discerning and when there's something around that is evil and that's detrimental, I will feel a sensation in my right eye, a marker, okay? And it's like my eye will open up, okay? When there are demonic spirits around, okay, then my right hand will get warm and hot. When there are people that are kind of astral projecting and doing stuff that they aren't supposed to do, I will feel a cool breeze in my left hand. So bodily impressions are not just for healing. We thank God for, you know, but they can also be connected to your spiritual gifts to be markers, to be triggers, to be indicators. Hey, that this is what's going on. Pay attention. Y'all got y'all with me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know we're going a little, a little a little deeper, but we need to understand that when the Lord has you, He has you, and when He's talking about using you, He wants to use the entire you. So every part of us can become an instrument for his glory, for his service, and for his ministry to the degree that we surrender to him. Okay. Now, of course, because we talked about mental impressions, okay? Now, you, let, me, let me back up. We talked about mental impressions. You can't deal with mental impressions without also dealing with emotional impressions. Because the mind and will and the emotions are in the same compartment. They're in the soul. Okay? So will God pull the strings of our emotions to speak to us? Yes, he will. Okay? All of a sudden, you may just feel a lot of times when, when, when uh, there's a breakthrough that's about to happen on my behalf on a big scale, scale, I would just get up in the morning and there would be a joy just bubbling in my spirit, like an anticipation. And then there are times when, you know, uh, when I may just go from joyful to sorrowful. And in the midst of that sorrow, I can feel God's heart. And when God is calling me to get along and to intercede for some things. But then there are times when you can also pick up the impressions of others. You may go around somebody and feel angry. You'd be like, what's wrong with me? I ain't tripping with nobody. Why am I angry? And that could be God giving you an emotional oppression that, hey, such and such is struggling with, struggling with an anger issue. I want you to minister to them, okay? Anger can be picked up, you know. And every other thing that people deal with emotionally can be picked up. And these things can be communicated to us as the Lord pulls the strings on our emotions. Okay? And these things usually happen abruptly and for no reason at all. Listen, y'all, and please hear this, because a lot of you all are are wondering, how can I know the difference? And the reason that it's a struggle is because, and I just got this from the Lord, see, when you spend quality time with him, there's a certain, there's a norm that settles. When you spend consistent time in his presence, and anything outside of the norm brings an alert. It, it triggers something. And it's easy to recognize anything outside of the norm of his presence. But if his presence okay, is not a norm in our life, then learning to accurately flow in these areas effectively and consistently is almost impossible. Because without the presence of the Lord, you're left with trying to weed through what your body feels and what you feel and, and your, your own emotions and, and God trying to speak to you. And there is no way to know the difference between the two apart from God's spirit. 
in his presence. Amen? Amen. Y'all remember the, the first point that we went over? And that's why these keys are so important, because the first key that we went over, does anybody remember? No, Roman number one was to ease the hearing the voice of God. What was the first one? Starts with a D. Discern. Discernment of spirit. Well, that's, the, that's a gift. But when we went through the keys in the Roman numerals, the, I think it was like our second lesson we covered this. And if you look on your outline, it's Roman numeral number one, if you got your outline there. Keys to hearing the voice of God. Not the many ways God speaks, but keys to hearing the voice of God. Number one was to dwell in his presence. Y'all remember that? See, the teaching and the reality is all progressive. And if you lay the proper foundation, and if you're committed and faithful to the proper foundation, it positions you to be able to experience flow and to understand the forthcoming realities and teachings gracefully. They're all connected and tied to each other. Dwell in his presence. If I dwell in his presence, I become familiar with his presence. Even when his presence is used to give me impressions or in my body or in my emotions. But if I don't dwell in his presence, then I'm left to my flesh and to my soul. And it's impossible to discern me from him and him from us. And, and not only that, you know, there's, there's, a great, there's a great possibility that what I'm dealing with is not so good. You know, wrong emotions and, you know, wrong feelings in the flesh. And, and got to contend with that as well. So we want to keep ourselves in a position to be set apart to hear from God for the purpose of being able to convey or speak to others. But the first thing you have to realize is that as you begin to dwell in his presence, that nothing that you see, hear, feel, sense, listen, or even think is without significance. Amen? Amen. So let me jump over to number five, okay, on keys and doing hearing the voice of God. We went over, do a body check. Okay, and this is what it says. Whenever you enter a location, place, or suddenly in the presence of another, do an initial body check. You see that? So prepare your mind that when you enter into the presence of a person, place, or people, pay attention to your body. Pay attention to your body. Pay attention to your body. Is there a sudden shift somewhere? Is there a certain sensation? Is there a certain throbbing? Is there a sudden pain? Is there a sharpness? Is there a warmth somewhere in your body? This is what you call doing a body check. See, to do a body check, you have to have already embraced the possibility that God wants to use you this way and that he will speak to you in this manner, or otherwise there's no need to check it. And so as we learn and as we grow and as we embrace the possibility that, hey, God can use me this way, and God, I receive this, and I'm going to take this teaching, and when I enter into the presence of people, not just at church, but even your family, even your coworkers, even strangers, you may be at at work or at Walmart, in line. Listen, y'all, God wants to love people everywhere that they are. He wants to touch people. He wants to heal people. Every person that Jesus Christ healed, the majority of them were outside of the synagogue, outside of churches. They were out and about. And so God is still in the business of healing and touching and manifesting his love to everyday people who are out and about. So the next time you get that headache, don't let the first thought be to go get you some Excedrin. Do a body check. Praise God. Praise God. Whenever you enter a location, place, or suddenly in the presence of another, thank you, Lord. Listen, y'all, this is also a great evangelistic tool. 
Okay, because the body check can is functioning like a word of knowledge. Okay, you're picking up pain in someone else's body. Remember, the word of knowledge is present or past, and so this is the gift of word of knowledge manifesting through your body, manifesting through physical impression, manifesting. Okay, this is God speaking to you. Not by voice, but by feeling in your body. Amen? Amen. Amen. It says, God may be giving you impressions in your spirit, soul, or body. When you are ministering, be totally aware, here's the key, of your entire being. Be totally aware of your entire being and stay open to God using impressions to speak to you about a person or situation. Okay. And so your your and, and this is what Jesus he perceived from his spirit, but he was monitoring his soul, and you monitor your body from the inside. And if there's you know, and in order to do this, y'all. Like I said, you know, we, we, um, as we grow in it and as we grow in this grace, we want to kind of be able to, to keep ourselves from clutter or from things that can make hearing from him in this capacity more complicated, you know. In other words, you have to purify your souls, as James said, by obeying the truth. It helps to keep yourself set apart and in a, in a healthy, wholesome state with God so that you can properly distinguish between what's what. And the more you pay attention inwardly, the more you understand outwardly. But if you don't pay attention inwardly, then outwardly can be a reality but remain a mystery to you. God is inclined, praise God, with our entire being. So I'm going to reiterate this again. When you enter a location, place, or you're suddenly in the presence of another, pay attention. Do a body check. See, listen, y'all. When we talk about having gifts of healing, these are not things that you can turn on and off. And every gift is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit as he wills as an expression of the Father's love toward humanity. In other words, every gift of the Spirit is God releasing his heart, trying to love on somebody in a particular way. And when we're moving about throughout life, the majority of the people that we come in contact with, they're hurt and they're broken. And the entire time, God is trying to reach them and minister to them and speak to them. But see, because... We don't hear a voice. We're just so focused on the voice that we're not even paying attention to the impressions, to the emotional shifts, to the physical pains, and to the other triggers that are going on in our body. Because we hadn't really been taught that God wants to, he will use all of that in order to reach someone. So it's not that God hadn't been speaking, and perhaps God wants to use you even more than you even realize. We just have to tune in to the whole man. Tune in to to our entire being and be conscious and aware of what God is ministering to us during these times. Because miracles, like I said, they're, they're all miracles are a product of obedience. When God reveals, whatever God speaks, releases, or reveals, he'll honor, he'll back up. And so if you can pick up his will at that moment and be obedient to what he has revealed to you, he's going to bring the manifestation. Okay? You're not going to have to holler, scream, cook up anything. You know, the biggest thing is being sensitive to when he is ministering and having the faith to step out in obedience. 
Amen. Amen. Praise God. I'll tell you about a deliverance experience I, uh, I had one time that was pretty cool. And when I talk about God doing unique things and ministering, um, and this is an example, um, in the process of helping develop other ministers down there, uh, we had healing and deliverance classes. And and I was kind of like the, the type of mentor or teacher that, um, you know, you weren't going to teach a healing and deliverance class and with nobody getting healed or delivered. So, you know, in other words, I believe in practicing whatever you ministered and going for it. So, you know, we had this we had this demon-possessed dude that would come to Bible study during healing and deliverance class. And uh, mm-hmm. the, demon, the demon-possessed guy, uh, I mean, he was the first one there and everything, and the man preaching on deliverance, <laughs> but he never ministered to him. So, <laughs> So this happened like three, four times. So I'm sitting over there scratching my head. I'm looking at him. I'm looking at this man's face twitching and all type of voices coming out of him and funny stuff. So I was like, no. So, <laughs> so what I would do is I'll, you know, of course, call him to the side of us and say, hey, you know, you see that man on that front row. You know, now if you're ministering healing and deliverance, then you need to minister to him or else sit down. You know, and and you know, and of course, these are leaders. Praise God, because um, because we believe in being authentic. Praise God, we can't just play like people are not bound and keep walking past them mm-hmm. and, preaching, and preaching around them and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, so what happened is they went for it. Praise God, they were kind of used to me being there in deliverance. But let me say this, y'all. It, a lot of us, we don't step out in the areas because we don't want to fail. But, see, your stepping out is not about your perfection or you getting the glory. It's about mm-hmm. you conquering fear, learning yourself, and growing and learning. Mm-hmm. God doesn't expect you to get it right when you step out for the first time in deliverance, in healing, or in, in, in getting people fear, or even in ministering to it. He doesn't expect you to be flawless. But he does expect you to be a courageous, okay, and to start the process of faith to grow and to learn. You know what Jesus said? He said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you what rest. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Learn of me. Now, you can apply that to different areas of ministry, and especially ministering and flowing in the supernatural. It's a learning process. So don't be afraid to take your step of faith and to go for it. Okay? Because it is there that you'll find that God is right there with you to cover you, to teach you, you know, and to prepare you. Tyler, and he's an awesome teacher, and he'll be right there with you. You know, but if you're waiting to know everything there is to know about a subject, if you're waiting to feel powerful, you know, feel the electricity flowing through you, or, or see an angel from heaven and say, go, my son, or <laughs> if you're waiting for all this stuff, listen, it's not going to happen. You just have to take that step. Start where you're at. Use what you got. Stop looking at what you don't have and what you can't do. What can you do? What do you understand? Use that. And God will add to the rest. Amen? He, he will add to the rest. So what happened is these men began to step out in deliverance for the first time. Okay? And what I did is that I went, I didn't just, I went, I got out of the chapel. I went all the way down there back to the dorm so that they can just go for what they know. I just, they didn't think I just left them, you know. So it's about three, four of them in there. So in there with the man. And, um, and they're ministering to him, trying to cast the demon out of him. You know, and they're going at it. 30 minutes go by. They're going at it. An hour go by. They're still going at it. An hour and a half go by. They're getting tired, but they're still going at it. I mean, by this time, I walked down there to the chapel. So um, I'm, uh, and y'all, God has a sense here. So I'm sitting down, and I can hear the yelling in the, in the, in the chapel. So I heard one brother say, 
come out. Oh, you gonna come out? That's what he, he said. Oh, you coming out? And then and then after that, I heard a brother go, oh, let out a big yawn. <laughs> <laughs> But they, they were, but they were going at it, and God was proud of them. You know what I'm saying? So, I think I had whipped the TV out, and I was watching Jesse Duplantis on TV. So they're in there screaming at the demon. I didn't whip Jesse Duplantis out. And I'm sitting there listening to the video, and um, and they're right where God wanted them to be. Okay, but mm-hmm. see, they're. This was their weakness. Their weakness was their faith in me, in me as a minister, because they had seen me minister deliverance many times. And so they felt as if, because I wasn't there, that it would, wouldn't go. They didn't have the confidence that they normally would have. Y'all get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's what God wanted to do. He wanted to wean them, you know from faith in me and to get their faith in him okay because he's the same god so what happened as i'm sitting there watching jesse duplant the holy spirit said he said i want to do something new he said i'm going to deliver him in a different way and i saw a quick little gentle impression he said go in there and when you go in there he said, speak one word, what I tell you. And he said, don't touch him and just stay there. He said, I'm going to deliver him by my spirit. Mm. Okay. Now, honestly, this is something I had never seen before. You know what I'm saying? But he said it. And I was excited. I said, oh, man, this is new. So... <clears throat> I went in there, and they were a little discouraged. That frizziness was in the atmosphere. The demon, he felt like he got the upper hand. He mm-hmm. cursing through the man and everything, looking crazy. And, and the atmosphere is just like nettles. Just, it's just frizzy. It's, a, it's an atmosphere of defeat where the darkness is pretty much. It ain't faith in the atmosphere. The darkness and got the upper hand. So when I went in there, you know, they were still at it, and the atmosphere was great. And I sat there and looked at, watched them for a minute, go through the what they were doing. And then I just told everybody to just step back from them and to be quiet. And um, and I just spoke. I said, well, you know, the Lord said that he was going to deliver him. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I spoke one word. And... Um, I, th- I think I told the demon, I think I told you, you can leave now, you can leave, you can leave now or, you know, or leave the hard way, but the Lord is about to remove you himself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so uh, and so when I said it, the power, the person got hit, I began to laugh in the spirit and, and we all just sat and didn't do anything. We just sat there in silence. I'm sitting, they sitting, the demon over there sitting. He's looking around <laughs> crazy, but everybody just said. So after about, uh, after I think about two minutes of just waiting on the Lord and waiting in his presence and silence, I saw fear hit the demon. Fear gripped the man's eyes, and his eyes began to race and run like he was seeing something there that we couldn't see with our natural eyes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then he began to shake in fear and torment and began to scream, no, no, no. And his body began to jerk and twitch, and the Spirit of God, long story short, the Spirit of God removed the demon. The guy passed out, and he oh. came to and, and had no recollection or anything that had went on. Wow. Okay. And the reason I'm sharing that is because God has not stopped being creative in his power, in his miracle, or in his working. And there are things that he will minister to you uniquely that have never been done before. But you have to have the faith to flow. The reason that God did that and, and what the guys learned, they learned that it wasn't about me. 
that the power has always been and will always be in his spirit. The power has always been and will always be in the Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit dwells in you. His Holy Spirit dwells in me. And there are not two Holy Spirits. There are not three Holy Spirits. There's only one Holy Spirit. And so the same Holy Spirit that you see working in the life of John G. Lake, of Wigglesworth, of F.S. Ballsworth, of the great healing evangelist of our day is the same Holy Spirit and the same power that's mighty in you. Yes. Praise God. So listen, there is literally no limit to what God wants to do to those who believe. When Jesus said, he that believeth in me shall do greater works, he wasn't talking about because it's more of us, we cover more ground. No, he meant what he said. Greater works than these shall you do because I go unto the Father. And so you, we have to allow our mind to be unlocked and to be renewed in the spirit of our mind through the power of the Holy Spirit and to put on the mind of Christ and to surrender our spirit, soul, and body unto the Lord. Pull it out of sin. Pull it out of, out of the world. Let's pull our members out of idleness, out of just being engaged in things that can make knowing him in our mind, in our soul, in our body, in our spirit complicated. Okay? And see, when, when hearing from him becomes important to us, we will position ourselves accordingly and not compromise if you can learn to stay there and to be stationed there, then there is no, listen, there is no limit to what God can do in and through you. And who knows, praise God, you know, what ministry God has placed in you or what expression. I, you know, because I keep saying this, but every one of you all's lives, you've been fashioned by God's own hand. And you're God's masterpiece, okay? And as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, just like the lilies of the field are arrayed in all of their glory, and none of them is alike, and yet God feedeth them all. God, God feeds the sparrows. Okay? And so you're different for a purpose, you know, but you have to be able to uh, be free to grow and be free to be you and be free to flow with him from a personal relationship and fellowship. And listen, and do not be stagnated, afraid, and bound by the fear of failure. What if it don't happen? What if it do happen? What if it's not God? What if it is? At the end of the day, you have to do something with what you believe. <clears throat> John Wimber, who was one of the forerunners of the Vineyard Cafe movement, which was a movement that spread, um, to, I think it was in the 80s and 90s, um, powerful movement of the Lord. Actually, it's a denomination that's established behind it, but renowned for healing, about miracles, screws popping out of people and. I mean, just a healing ministry. And he was one of the, he was pretty much the one that God used to pioneer and then to start it. But you know this man's testimony? This man said that he laid hands on close to 100 people before the first one got healed. Okay? I'll repeat that again. He laid hands on close to 100 people and prayed for their bodies before the first person was ever healed. Matter of fact, he said that when he initially began to pray for the sick, he did so in faith. He said some of the people seemed like they would get worse. <laughs> he did. <laughs> can, look, can you, can you imagine the mental war? Uh, first of all, if people don't see results, then they don't come. 
And then as they see you keep going on and over again, and their mind is, oh, there you go again. Won't he just give up? Don't he see he ain't got that gift? You know. And not only that, because we're so self-conscious, what we will do, a lot of us, is after the first couple people that get hit, we will stop and abandon praying for the sick. But see, God used that. He used the... He used all that as a cross for John to bear. He could have released the anointing on the first verse, but God wanted to God wanted to kill him. He wanted him to die to the opinions, to the fears, and to the shame, and to the glory, and all that of people. He wanted him to, to he was working, he was preparing his heart. He was preparing his heart to be free from all of that. And he got down to the point, y'all, to where all he had was pure faith, not because of results, not because of manifestations, not because of what people said, not because of praise, but he refused to let go of what the word of God says, which is these signs shall follow them that believe. He didn't care if he was talked about, ridiculed, despised, laughed, mocked, mistreated. He didn't care. He was not about to stop laying hands on the sick or questioning God's will to heal the sick because it didn't seem to manifest in his life. Okay? He was free from fear. He didn't make excuses. He didn't make doctrines for things that happened. He just kept believing, kept stepping out. He kept learning. He kept growing. And as he did this, y'all, his faith was getting stronger and stronger. And then all of a sudden, in God's appointed times, God released a healing anointing in his life to where he was able to call out specific ailments to the teeth, to the very symptoms in people's bodies with the word of knowledge. And then cancers were healed. You know, incurable leprosies were healed. You know, palsy was healed. You know, crutches and, and recreative miracles began to manifest. But listen, he had already won the war and the victory a hundred times ago in what seemed like failure. But it wasn't failure, it was victory. He had won the war over sickness and disease a hundred times ago, and the war was in his mind. Okay? And what we'll find that is that, listen, that the greatest enemy is not even the demons, it's not even the devil. It's not even the principalities and powers in heavenly places, but the greatest enemy is how we think. And a lot of times it's our perception of ourselves. And if we can ever dislodge the wrong thinking, listen, and can grab God's image of who he has called us to be as sons and daughters of the living God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that the entire creation groaneth. And, and, and waiteth in pain together for the manifestation of the sons of God, of the children of God. He says that for when the sons and daughters of God are manifest, then creation itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So the entire creation is waiting on you and I to come forth in a Christ-like manner, in his character and power. And so we have to renew our mind and change the way that we think. And we surrender our mind, we surrender our soul, we surrender our body, even as our spirit is surrendered to the Lord himself and say, Lord, here I am. Use me, all of me. I'm set apart to you, set apart for your service, committing myself to you. I'm yours, my hands, my feet. My ears, my eyes, my nose, my mouth, my emotions, my will, my heart, my spirit, I'm yours. And God will serve humanity through you. He sure will. He will serve humanity through us. Okay. So don't be bound, praise God, by the fear of failure. But believe, because all things are possible to him that believed and refused to believe anything but that truth. And that includes you. Praise God, it includes me. Okay. Listen, the miraculous is just one step of obedience away. 
You've been focusing on fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. You've been focusing on going up into the mountains and, and, you know, on a Sabbath day journey. You've been focusing on all type of stuff, going to conferences and stuff, but the miraculous is not dependent on any of those things because the miraculous is not produced through the will of man. The miraculous is just one step of obedience away. Those images and pictures and those things that you, and you've been wondering, could this be God? What if it's God? And step out on it and keep stepping, just like John Wimber, keep stepping. The miraculous is just one step of obedience away. Peter never knew that stepping out on the word of the Lord would give him the ability to defy gravity and to walk on water. The Lord told him one word, come, and he stepped out in obedience. People look at the fact that he saw the wind and he fell. I'm praising the fact that he stepped out and that he walked. It's how you look at it, how you see it. Well, God bless everyone. Praise God. I think that will conclude that session. We'll pick up next time in emotional, praise God, impressions. But um, pray everybody's doing good. Anybody got any thoughts, any questions, or any insight that you'd like to add or just ask? I want to say y'all are awesome people. Praise God. Father, we just give you praise and we give you thanks. God, we... Thank you for who you are, God, and for giving us the opportunity, God, to be children, God. Father, we want your fire to burn in us. And, Father, we don't want to fear your presence, God, but to ever run, God, from close proximity with you. But, Father, we thank you as we yield our spirit, soul, and body. We decree this night, God, that we will not be restricted afraid, terrified, hallelujah, fathered by the thoughts of failure. Praise God. Lord, you have not made us a fearing people, so we fear only you. And God, we thank you for awakening our heart, our minds, our attention, God, to do a body check. God, we realize that you're reaching for humanity each and every day. God, even when we're asleep, God, I remember, God, when you took me out of my body, God, to go and minister to that lady when I was resting. And, Lord, you need to slumber nor sleep, Lord. Your love, God, is never not conscious of those in need. We want to be the people that you use more, that you call on more, that are open, God, that will gladly receive you, God. And, God, we don't want to just tolerate, God, you using us. We want you to, God. We ask you to. We're here. We're yours. And, Father, whatever persecution, whatever misunderstanding, whatever mockery, whatever ridicule, whatever shame that has to be born, God, in order, God, to be extensions and expressions of your love, your heart, your hands, and your voice to humanity, God, it's a small price to pay, Lord. Father, we are willing, God. We are willing to take up our cross, God, in that aspect and to follow you. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. For the helper who is the Holy Ghost. And we thank you for his ministry, his grace, and his life. And even as and to the degree that we surrender ourselves to you, God, Make us vehicles of your glory, conduits of your love, God, and dispersers of your grace and of your kindness. Let the miraculous, God, break forth, God, even through us, God. As you do, God, what I have not seen, it have not heard, neither have entered into the heart of them that love you. But you promised us, God, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that you would reveal these things to us by your spirit. And so we do thank you for the revelation, the rhema, the right now, God, insight of the Holy Ghost, God. And we just give you praise and honor and glory in advance, God, for the people that will be saved, the captive that will be set free, the bodies that will be healed, 
the bondages that would be broken, the addictions, God, that will be removed, God, and the demons that will be cast out, and the army that will be built imparted into God and equipped for your glories. We give you praise, honor, and glory, and thanks for the harvest, God. Praise God. And, Lord, you truly deserve it. And we give you praise and thanks for it, Father. In the name of Jesus, we thank you and do pray. Amen.